being a godly father, being a godly father. And if I, if I may this morning, I, I just because of time's sake, I'm going to have to abbreviate some of the things that I do that I am going to or had planned to say today. So I'm not going to read a text today. I'm just going to point you in the direction of a text today. And really, I'm going to, I've been reading and uh, paying very close attention to the book of Exodus chapters 18 and 19. And there, uh, in that, uh, in those two chapters are some very interesting things that, that I see that perhaps I would like to pull from this morning to make a few statements uh, to godly, to godly fathers. Aren't we thankful for godly fathers? It's one thing to be a father. It's another thing to be a godly father. If you look at Exodus chapter 18, the children of Israel are having a very difficult time living in right relationship with the Lord. Although God has just delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptians, uh, there is an awful lot of trouble in the camp of Israel. And now I have seen this, read this, related this to the church, and how quickly that people who uh, God may do miraculous things for God brings people out of a life of despair and sin and bondage of the world, brings them into His kingdom and how quickly that we can forget what God's done for us. And so the children of Israel began to complain and find fault and focus on what was wrong in their life. Now imagine, I, I have been privileged, and I, I don't know if maybe others of you have had the opportunity, but I've been privileged to visit the Holy Lands, and in my Holy Land tour, was able to go over into Egypt and to see the pyramids. And everybody should see them one time. I don't recommend you go now. Let's wait for a little better peaceful time, a little more peaceful time. Interesting when you look <coughs> at what has been built and what was built, perhaps on the back of God's people. And to look at these massive structures and understand that equipment and machinery of this day, it, it would not be such a feat, but to imagine the near impossible task and the absolute Ingenuity that would have had to have gone into the massive stones that our vehicles today would struggle to even move. It would take an entire semi to move one stone perhaps that somehow they moved into place and carried to the top of these pyramids and put them in place and they have stood for thousands of years here, and it is amazing. It is, it is an amazing thing to look at and to understand all that they went through, the labor, 
the abuse, the struggle. And then God delivers them for them to turn in just a very short while and to begin to focus on everything that was wrong. Now, in Exodus chapter 18, they're, they're, they're even struggling living in right relationship with God. It's not just they're offended, they're upset. They, are, they absolutely are not living right. And, and there was a lot of trouble in the camp of Israel. And the Bible says that Moses was sitting from morning until evening to judge between the people because of all their conflicts. I can only imagine the stress level that Moses must have been going through trying to lead uh, all of these people and spending all of his time sitting trying to judge between the people. And now understand that in the middle of this, Something must have happened in Moses' in Moses' heart because Moses married a wife and her name was Zipporah. And you don't read much about her in Scripture, but Moses' wife, Zipporah, uh, he, he became so perhaps, the only thing I could figure out as I read through this, was that he became so frustrated with the job that he didn't have time for a wife, and so he sent her back to her father. Now, I found that interesting. The Scripture says that he sent her back. Now, you and I would probably not get by with that. There have been a few days... That she probably wanted to send me back. The scripture said that Moses sent her back. And evidently it was this was all driving him crazy. But it wasn't long until Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, comes for a visit. And he comes with Zipporah in tow. This poor lady wasn't wanted anywhere. Now, I was in a conversation. I don't see Brother Duggar here this morning, but I was in a conversation with Brother Duggar the other day, and we were discussing this text. And as we were discussing this text, he pointed out something that was very interesting. Evidently, evidently, Moses sitting morning to evening in the frustration of hearing all the problems of people, his father-in-law shows up and he runs out to where he's at and he kissed him. I've had some bad days. But I've never greeted my father-in-law with a holy kiss. Not not going to happen. And so he comes out to where Moses is and 
Moses begins to tell Jethro about everything that is happening and everything that's going on and about the people. And he begins to explain all of this to him. And Jethro tells Moses, this thing is not good for you. You, you don't need to do this. You, you, you need to stop. You, you've got you've to stop what, what you're doing. Because this task is too hard for you. Now, I relate some of those things to, to the church and, and put myself in that position and I see the scripture unfold in some of those areas and, and, and relate this. But now, as we move into verse 19, the... The text keeps focus with what is going on here, but in verse in chapter 19, it shifts gears a little bit because it begins to, to focus on uh, what's going on in, in that day. Uh, this was a time when uh, Isaiah, uh, the, the, in the time of Isaiah, they... They built walled cities and, and they relied on watchmen that were placed on the walls. And the watchmen would, would watch about the city. They didn't have uh, the technology that we had today. It was pretty basic and so the watchmen sat on the wall and they looked out. And uh, in, this, in the era of walled cities and they would see... Uh, armies coming or people coming and if they saw something that appeared to be dangerous they would alert to the city and so uh, in Isaiah 21 and 11 the scripture uh, gives us a little insight into the story that we call the watchman on the wall and the watchman uh, the cry goes out to the watchman watchman what of the night what of the night and the watchman would declare back what he had seen. All is well, or he would declare that there was impending danger. Now, I would guess that that system was put in place because a watchman, as he is watching, uh, could easily fall asleep. He could easily get sidetracked. He could easily lose focus. And so he had to be called upon to to ensure that he is awake, to ensure that he is paying attention. And, and sometimes that's the very reason that messages are preached. Not that we don't have good men that are watching, but sometimes it's easy for us to fall asleep. It's easy for us to become sidetracked, to get busy with what is going on. And so occasionally the message comes forth to the watchman, what, what of the night? Give us a report of what is going on around you. And declare what it is that, that you see. And that, of course, related to the church becomes very clear that uh, that is indeed uh, the cry that must go out to the church and to the men of the church. Tell us what you see. Now, if I can merge these two pass passages here in the next 10 minutes or so uh, for us to be able to to, to see in Exodus 19 where that the Lord begins to speak and the Lord speaks and he says, 
uh, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. And so what he is saying is there must be a shift away from Moses spending every waking hour in trying to look over the affairs of the people, in trying to judge between what is right and what is wrong. And he said, but I have made you, the Lord said, a a kingdom of priests. I am putting responsibilities, the responsibilities of a priest upon your shoulders. Now, can I preach to some godly men this morning? That I do feel that God has placed the church together, but he has placed you, good godly men, into your family and over your family as the priest of your home. And he has placed you there to be on alert and to be on the lookout and to be the watchman on the tower, if you please. And to be paying attention of what is coming around. Can I speak to the the, the ladies in the house and to the young people that are here this morning and tell you that there should never be a day that the voice of a godly father is challenged. We live in a day in which they ignore godly fathers and smirk and make fun, but let it never be said of this congregation. Let the father rise as the priest of the home and declare, thus saith the Lord over our family, over our home, over those that God has put under our care. I thank God this morning for godly fathers that stand against all odds and declare the word of the Lord even when it's not popular. A father needs to be aware and must remain aware of the responsibility that is laid upon their shoulders. I believe that God has appointed pastors and evangelists and apostles and prophets that they may be watchmen over his kingdom and over the church. But I believe that God has placed fathers over the home to be the priest over the home, to be a watchman over the home and over the family. Let it never be said it's somebody else's fault, but let us stand boldly and declare, I will be the priest of my home. I will declare, thus saith the word of the Lord. I will lead my family to church. I will lead my kids to prayer. I will lead my kids to sacrifice. I will show my kids the way of faithfulness. I thank God for a very godly father that was an example to me. Wish he could be here this morning, understand the the miles and the distance, and all of us would feel that way this morning. If your father has passed on, perhaps you reflect in a different manner today. My brother who lost a son a few months ago, three months ago yesterday, as a matter of fact, is dealing with Father's Day from a whole different point of view. We all face Father's Day from a different point of view. But nevertheless, this morning, I thank God for every father. I thank God for every man who may not be an earthly father, but is a father to somebody. 
that is a man I, I heard this morning and listen as words were being said and I heard Brother Scott as he mentioned others in the congregation this morning that affected his life and when I look back I thank God for a godly father but I have many people, many men, many godly men not my earthly father he was a great example and, and needed no assistance but can I tell you this morning that through my life I have been so affected by godly men men who lived an example in front of me Men who prayed for me, men who prayed with me, who worshiped with me. And I have been affected by the lives of many of you men who are in this room. I've watched you as you have been faithful to your family. I have watched you as you have sacrificed for your family. I have watched you as you have remained true to God even through difficulties. Those things don't come without a price, we understand. But it is all spoken to, into my life over the 25 years that I have been associated with Christian Life Church. And I have been here and watched many of you and my hat's off to you this morning. Thank you for being a godly father. In this day and age we live, let there be men that rise to the occasion and declare, I will be the priest of my home and I will affect every young person that I can affect. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 17. The scripture says, "I've, Son of man, I've made you watchmen over the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word of my mouth. This text in Ezekiel points us to the fact that, that everything that the watchman, uh, watchman may say, well, I, I, don't, I, I don't know a lot. I don't understand a lot. But what this text is clearly saying is that the word of the Lord will be the direction for you. Father, when you don't know what to do, look to the word of God. When you don't know where to turn, look to the Word of God. For the Word of God will never, uh, will never lead you astray and will never lead you wrong. <coughs> My next point I'd like to make this morning is that godly men must be aware of the times in which we live. We live in a day and age, ladies and gentlemen, like none other. We live in a day and age that the Bible would point out to be a very evil hour. It is a day when truly men look at good and call it evil and look at evil and call it good. We live in a trying time. We live in the days, I believe, that Matthew spoke about in the 24th chapter when he said, except those days be shortened. Even the very elect will be deceived. We live in a day of deception. We live in a time when you can, without looking around you and trying, it becomes very, very obvious. When gender roles are being shifted. We need godly men to declare to their family, thus saith the word of the Lord. We live in a day in which demonic powers and spirits are coming against homes and families like they never have before. When demonic powers and spirits are overshadowing, they enter every way possible. We need godly men to stand for right and to stand for righteousness and to declare in these last days, thus saith 
the word of the Lord. We can look around us and complain that a few years ago prayer was taken out of schools. That was just the beginning of the decay. But I will say today that before prayer was taken out of schools, prayer was taken out of families, taken out of homes. I call the godly men this morning, return prayer to your home. Return prayer to your home. Return faithfulness to your home. Return living steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord back into your home. Look to those and maybe some who have even passed on that lived incredible examples before you and before me. Can I say this morning that we need to go back to the old path. We need to go back and declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We need a revival of godly men. Godly men that understand the times. In this day and age in which we live, we need men that lead in prayer, that lead in sacrifice, that lead in faithfulness. And the church needs godly men that will lead in worship. We need godly men that will lead in worship. We've heard the voices of our ladies in the prayer room. We need to hear the voices of our men in the prayer room. We hear the voices of our young people and of our ladies in worship. We need to hear the voice of godly men rising and declaring he's worthy to be praised. These wonderful, awesome young men that sit up here in the front of this room need an example of godly fathers and grandfathers that will teach them and show them this is how you worship God in an apostolic church. This is how. Set an example before them. Look at the times and the day around us and understand what's going on. Godly men must arise. And I close with this point today. Godly men must understand the danger that approaches those whom God has put under our care. A lot of us, if we're not real careful, will be passive regarding danger. And that almost becomes code talk when we say it's not too bad. It's not too sinful. Maybe they haven't gone too far. The danger, ladies and gentlemen, I made a statement a few weeks ago and I'll remind us of it again today. But what this generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. Understand the danger of the things that we accept as tolerable. We need to stand firm in this apostolic truth. The church may well be approaching a crossroads. I don't speak of this church independently. I speak of the church as a whole. We may well be facing a crossroads in society, politically, socially, legally in how that it will be approached from the pulpit 
as we speak against sin. The discussions have already been on the table whether the taxation of the church will become at risk if we preach against alternative lifestyles. It's already been discussed in higher places what is going to be allowed to be preached and what is not. As such, even in the Christian realm, there is a Sunday that is set aside. It passed about six weeks ago. I never mentioned it to you. It's called Pulpit Freedom Sunday. When the pulpit is supposed to be free to preach whatever they want to preach. God forbid that the pulpit is ever hampered from preaching against the danger of sin. And God forbid if a father, a godly man, stands against sin and in his own home deals with the punishment of standing against sin. Give godly men freedom to speak without being questioned when it comes to the issues of sin. Give our godly men the freedom to be able to live unfettered and to speak unfettered into their families and into the lives of those that are around them without the fear of punishment or silent treatments. Oh, you're not going to help me preach today. Godly men must be aware of the dangers and we must accept the responsibility to alert those around. Cry aloud and let it be heard for if the danger, the impending danger comes to the walled cities and the watchman cries not out, the entire city may be lost because of a silent watchman. The Lord spoke of that day and he, he dealt with that day in Isaiah 58 and he said, Spare not to lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sin. And he moves on four chapters later and he said, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Let me be counted among them. But then Jeremiah chapter 6 speaks on the contrary and he said, Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. We will not speak. Godly men, never let your voice be silent. Never let your voice be silent. Stand for what is right against all odds. Stand for what's right in the church. Stand for what's right in the home. Stand for what's right in your community. Stand for what's right with everybody that you affect. Stand for righteousness. You want to know what ails America? It is sin that ails America. For righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. I say to you this morning... That God is calling godly men to rise to the occasion in this last hour and declare, Thus saith the word of the Lord. 
I will stand for righteousness. I will stand for Jesus. Does anybody in the house today, have you made up your mind that regardless what comes your way, you're going to stand for Jesus and let the world go by. You're going to stand for righteousness and let the world go by. Look at our men as they rise this morning. Why don't you stand with them today? And why don't you magnify the King of kings and the Lord of lords today? For you alone are worthy, O oh God, to receive praise and glory. Let the voice of our men rise this morning and give adoration to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. For he is worthy to be praised today. I have made my decision. I have stayed my name. I have drawn a line in the sand. And I won't be ashamed with the world behind me and the cross before by the grace of God I will serve the Lord come on sing it today I have made my decision I have stayed my grace